When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The award-winning Crunch Time. This one fell in the lap of Revolt, who's kicked a sensational goal. Lynch lets fly from 50, gave it a mighty <laughs> roost. The finest of kicks as Tom Lynch imposes himself on the match. Metagolder, he spears it into Hawkins. They have got a bit of life about the match along. So Hawkins to have the shot. He's kicked just one behind for the night, just the two score involvements. He's on the right side to do it. He's got plenty of that. And end on end, the tail's right through the middle. Geelong have kicked a couple. Stewart gets going onto the right boot. He pumps it in deep. Radigalia for three in a row for the Cats. From 30 metres out, in she goes. And the Cats have got a wriggle on. O'Connor to Atkins. Parfit, his kick into the 50 is designed for Hawkins. And then he runs around and misses his shot for goal in a hurry. Underneath, though, is Lambert. Hand pass to Castagna. Worked it in close to Graham. Back to Castagna. Inboard to Bolton. Four to the play. It's go-ahead football. Ross to Castagna. Through the 50. Eyes the big sticks. And lands the winner. And the Tigers get a big win that might give them a double chance, but it's come at a cost. But that is a big statement and something that Geelong will have to think long and hard about. Tom Lynch limps across the ground. Ivan Soldo needs the help of crutches. But even with those two injuries, the Tigers were imposing tonight. I thought all our players, you know, stood up at various stages, especially under you know, somewhat some adversity too, you know, losing Soldo uh, and Tom throughout the course of the night. But it was just pleasing that it was probably a very even team performance. When the super systems met, there was no doubting the superiority of the Tigers. Another powerful performance against a contender has Richmond with a firm grip on premiership favouritism despite the injury toll. And what does it all mean for the Cats? The good part about all this is that the ball's in our court. We don't have to rely on anyone. It's up to us. We're looking for a response. You know, clearly the way we played wasn't anywhere near the level that we want to play it. And, you know, but we're still in there with an opportunity. We lost our hunger and we lost our hunt. We've got it back in patches. And I just thought we'd turn the corner in the last probably three weeks. We believe if we execute our brand, we'll beat anyone. Um, and we've, we've always had that confidence in the way that we've played. You know, we'll, we'll just keep taking steps forward. So it's great that we, we've still got the will and the desire to see if we can get there. As you know, we can't afford to drop any games to make it. The big squeeze as a handful of hopefuls watch each other fluff their lines. Who can hold their nerve and who can seize the gaping opportunity to win a place in the finals action? It's all up for debate on Crunch Time. 
Aussie up promisingly in the run. Well, the Cats, that's the hurdle. How broad are the ramifications of a heavyweight clash on the Gold Coast on a Friday night? For clean away, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's, but the Monopoly game at Macca's is back. Jared Waitley with you. Luke Hodge was there last night. Hodgie, welcome. Thank you, Jared. I, I was there. I was, it was a game that I'd, uh, I'd been looking forward to for, for three or four weeks since the condensed fixture had came out. And uh, look, I think everyone walks away going, yeah, when Richmond want to flex their muscles, um, they can. I, I'm not wiping Geelong off. A lot of people sort of said, oh, they can't get that ball move. But Geelong just looked a little bit flat. They were coming off a five-day break compared to Richmond's nine. Uh, they, their ball movement wasn't there. they still got Selwood to come back in. But Richmond, the way they played, Dimmer said it before uh, in his post-game. He goes, it was a team performance. No one had 20 touches for the Richmond Football Club, but defensively they were outstanding. Their back six again worked together. Uh, the only time I saw their back six down a little bit was when Danger was down there. Um, but as far as a team effort, as far as defence first and then attack, they were, they were outstanding. So if you measure up the head-to-heads as Richmond has handled Brisbane, Geelong and West Coast with nothing short of authority and lost to Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. So how, how far-reaching is it? They're the team. They're the team to beat, are they not? Oh, looking at last night... Richmond have always got that game style that it's all about intensity and, and how fast the ball movement is. And, and when you come up against the, the better teams, they tend to move the ball better. And, and I think Richmond just have that tendency to lift. And then you look at the, the injury list of who they've still got to come back in. Edwards is now uh, training in the, in the, in the quarantine bub, bubble. Um, yeah, they've got a few more. They're, they're exciting. Uh, they've got themselves now sitting third on the ladder. Uh, it's they're, they're looking strong, but in saying that, footy's a funny game, and, and we have seen uh, other teams just step up when they need to. But Richmond did nothing wrong for their chances last night. Five in a row, and they they have these imposing records at both Queensland venues. It's remarkable. Andy Ma, hello, hello, Hodgie, hi, Jared. G'day, everybody. Two eight to zero one in the third quarter. I take on board what you're saying, Hodgie, about five day v nine day, and all of that is legitimate and fair and and worth raising. And there may be a factor. So we we, we, we accept that. But 2-8 to 0-1, it could have been anything at three-quarter time. It could have been humiliating at three-quarter time. It was bad enough that Geelong was 1-5 at three-quarter time. But there were times watching that game, I don't know whether you got a sense for it down there, Oji, when you were watching it, but Ge- Geelong looked dissolved, mentally disintegrated by Richmond last night. There was a sense of, I don't know what to do next, when players had the ball in hand, they... Richmond had taken away all sense of creativity and option and it was it was a complete mental destruction of the opposition last night. Yeah, and that that happens when when you are flat when you, you when you are struggling for energy and a team are in your face defensively, what you need when you when you've got the ball is you need teammates moving up the field. You need blokes doing a little tick lead. You need someone blocking for someone else to, to run out to a wing to, to create space. And when you're a little bit off and, and the defenders are right in your face and, and on their toes and, and ready to defend, sometimes you just either you don't think about it. Um, but that's what Geelong weren't doing. Where I've seen them in the past. I've seen them work for one another. I've seen their ball movement ball movement being be so crisp at times but it was everything it was a person with with the footy wasn't making the right decisions but it wasn't the people off the ground weren't helping them with their movement and and 
um, or yeah. against working for one another either. So th I think that's where it sort of it made Geelong look really slow and sluggish, but also it looked rich, made Richmond look really good. And and when, Richmond would let Geelong switch it to a flank, and then Geelong would pull back, and all that lets Richmond do is just squeeze him into that corner. So you can't switch, you can't go short. So they needed to do a little bit more. Whether they it's the old run across the ground, pull right back off the mark and just take off the other side. So at least that way you got the defenders, the Richmond defenders moving across and there might be a little bit of a, a bubble open up in the middle of the ground where they might be able to pull one back in. But you just didn't see any of that from Geelong last night. But I put that down to the, the fatigue and how sluggish they, they they did look. But knowing Geelong, that, that's not going to be there once once they have, have a bye towards the, the finals and then hit finals time. Sam Edmund rounds out the team on crunch time. Hello, Sam. Good afternoon to you, Jared. Hello, Andy. Sammy. Hope you're well, Hodgie. I'm a bit like uh, the two guys next to us here, or one of them by distance, Jared. Is that Geelong had been eating teams up, but it was like Richmond put it. was like Hannibal Lecter. Just the, the straight jacket was put on. It was a three and a half quarter sleeper hold for mine. And the lasting image for me the the afternoon after this game is Cats player after Cats player standing on a back flank with nowhere to go but long and down the line to a contest. And that corridor was just saturated in yellow and black, wasn't it? They'd done their homework. You can count on one hand, I reckon, the amount of times the Cats were able to go through the corridors we've seen so many times in recent history. So what's that now? Five out of the last six Richmond have beaten Geelong. Yep. So some work to do for the Cats. Everyone wants to know what's the toll? What's the toll for Richmond from last night? Pretty big, Jared. Pretty big. So scans today for Ivan Soldo, the Ruckman, of course, and Tom Lynch. So I've spoken to the Tigers this morning. The scans are still pending, but Soldo they fully expect to have done the ACL, and they hope Lynch is the standard three-weeker. So the two Rucks set up, so critical for them last year. Callum Coleman-Jones will be full of regret right now. I've been told that he was actually right in the mix, and he would have been their likely choice in this situation so make of that what you will I don't think it'll kill them though as much as they love Soldo who's played every game since round six the reinforcements are coming so Mar Marby or Chole, he's ready to go and given Lynch is out he'd play forward and chop out in the ruck you'd think he's playing in a practice match today David Asprey Josh Caddy they're playing today as well Nathan Broad was just left out last night Shane Edwards gets out of quarantine on Tuesday he'll play the Crows in round 18 the ruck is intriguing though they won the flag with the two ruck set up last year they've won it with one ruck and Sean Grigg in 2017. Mm. So what way they go is going to be fascinating. So the hamstrings at the moment is when we sat on Harris Andrews last week, we felt 21 days, do the maths, and then it turns out to be five or six yep. weeks. We're sweating on Jeremy McGovern and what it means for West Coast. And then Tom Lynch, is it a standard hamstring or will it be worse? Yeah, so if it is standard, he'll definitely miss, obviously, the Tigers' first final. If they finish top four and lose, he's back for the semi-final. If they win, of course, you'd think he's definitely back for the prelim, given they'd get another week off. So the grand final's October 24. If he misses the standard three weeks, it brings him back around the first weekend of October. So by then, you would have expected Richmond to have played their first final, and then it gets into whether they have to play a semi-final or a prelim uh, if they finish top four. Of course, it sounds like McGovern, those a lot worse than um, than Tommy Lynch. So let's stay with the Tigers. Kane Lambert is with us, part of the successful side last night. Kane, welcome to Crunch Time. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. Was it a systematic triumph last night? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, you know, it was always going to be a great battle against a, a really good opposition. But you know, for us, it was about method and system married with you know great effort and intent. And uh, I thought we brought that last night. So how strategic was it? How much how much classroom work do you do in the lead up to a game like that? Oh, there's obviously a fair bit, but um, yeah, our coaches do a fantastic job. Uh, we felt like Geelong were going to play a game where they they wanted possession of the ball, 
and we all wanted a, a chaotic type of brand. So it was, um, you know, sort of two contrasting styles, and we've seen a bit of both. And when, when you've got a sense that it's working out on the field, is how early on did you feel like the the, the game was on your terms? Oh, it, it, to be honest, it ebbs and flows a little bit because they're a quality opposition. You know, there was times where they, they were able to keep the ball off us, but you know, we're pressing up pretty hard. You know, there's a, there's a feeling when the the Richmond Avalanche as such is, is coming in. There's numbers in the screen. The boys are you know putting a lot of pressure on the the ball carrier. So you know, that's a style of footy we want to play, and and we feel like it stacks up. Luke Hodge with Kane Lambert, Hodge. Yeah, Kane, I, I spoke to Jack Rowett after the game and he said that the Richmond Football Club are a, a defence-first team. How much do you emphasise that and uh, just the attacking side will come once you once you dominate defensively? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. You know, I think well, most of the boys who get drafted have great offensive skill set. But uh, when it comes to offence, it's about just playing. But, you know, the defence is a collective 18-man approach and, and celebrating that, it's not necessarily just turning the ball over, but you know, setting up behind the ball, the spoils, the smothers, the tackles, the chases, and, and bringing energy with that. You know, it's something that we, we thrive on and, and we really enjoy. What's your uh, communication with, with Dusty? Because you're the one who, who pushes up really hard, and, and I've noticed Dusty a lot uh, the last 18 months especially. He'll take a, a centre bounce or a stoppage, and then he'll, he'll float forward, and, and you're working up to the defence and then working back. Is it just a bit of a nod and a wink, or, or you've got a system in there that, that you sort of understand your role and don't have to worry about the communication with him? I think the great thing about our footy club is we've played a lot of footy together now and you know, Dusty's not necessarily one to talk too much. So we, we have great chemistry. <laughs> we probably have an um, understanding on where each other are on the ground. So it's a combination of myself and a few others who, who will play that role. But you know, it's enabling, put, given an environment where players can play their strengths and uh, Dusty's got a, a plethora of strengths, as we know. And one last one, just with, with Koch. Uh, how important is he just with uh, his mindset and his understanding and I guess his composure in a, in a pressure situation? Uh, Geelong were coming hard last night and all of a sudden that he'd take the, he'd take a few stoppages but then you'd cruise across the half-back line. He had three or four touches in, in the space of a couple of minutes just to compose it and just let, let the players around him know that not, not to get too flustered. Yeah, there's nothing more inspirational than seeing our skipper put his head over the ball. And, you know, you go back a number of years and, and critical moments in games and, and big games, it's him who gets the, the ball going our way. Uh, you know, Dimmer's been saying he's a, he's a battering ram and, you know, he really sets a tone for us defensively. But his, you know, his calm approach on the offense is he's just a brilliant player to be with and play with. Hey, Kane, Andy Ma here, mate. Congratulations on the win last night. That They came off the five, you came off the nine, you've come off short game turnaround short turnarounds between games through these sort of this cluster of footy how big a difference does it make yeah it's a, it's a tough period one to navigate through when you have the, the games back to back and you know we we were fresh after the nine day break uh, we got challenged a little bit with with two on the bench so you know probably evened itself out a little bit towards the end there but uh, it, it is a real challenging time for for teams who play consecutive games really quickly it's also making the most of the opportunity when you do get a longer break. What sort of stuff have you been doing between, like you yourself, what sort of um, you know, recovery and preparation stuff have you been doing from game to game? Well, I think the physical side, you put a lot of trust in you know, conditioning staff, but probably the most challenging part for me, I found, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, was, was the mental side. It, it gets quite exhausting sort of coming up for a game you know, you play, uh, you play a game and come down pretty quickly, but you've got to build back up and you know, you're back in the rooms getting strapped to go again. So that, that mental side is, is probably the most...
most challenging, particularly being in a hub where it's a little bit difficult to escape the the football yeah. environment as such. So we, um, yeah, you got to be sensitive to everyone and, and give them time and space. So that's probably been the most challenging part about the games backing up so quickly. Kane, it's Sam Edmund here. Thanks a lot for your time this afternoon. I know we spent a lot of time talking about the defence. It was just so impressive last night. Can you talk about the collective nature of it um, for the uninitiated in that is it so specific and so refined that if even one player falls out of, uh, loses concentration, isn't quite in the spot they need to be, that can be the difference between letting a side like Geelong through or not? Yeah, no doubt, especially a quality side like Geelong. It, it takes 18 people on the, on the field. And, you know, sometimes you see on the screen just the players, you know, in, in the screen, but it, it goes well beyond that. And, you know, it's only subtle as well. So they're the type of things we like to celebrate on defence. And, you know, as a club, we... We pride ourselves on the way, you know, the way we set up behind the ball and, uh, you know, reward those actions because, as you see, you know, we're not necessarily a football club that um, has high statistics, but every, each individual plays a crucial role to the way we play. And I know you're not a member of the back six, but a lot has been made of the so-called uh, Hawkins Island and you certainly don't want to leave a player like him one out. How much emphasis was put on helping out, whether it be Noah Bolter or Dylan Grimes, who was magnificent last night, just making sure you made it a two-on-one or a three-on-one? Yeah, no doubt. And I think as a midfield group, you know, the, the pressure we put on up the field definitely helps the boys behind behind the ball. But, you know, Dylan Grimes was, was fantastic last night. Mick Floston and, you know, Noah Bolter, as you've seen this year, has, has really come on. So it is a collective, uh, you know, it's a little team within a team. The back six there, they're, they're pretty tight. Um, but, yeah, we can we can also help up the field and, and create dirty balls going forward. Hey, Kane, it's probably not a bad time to be up in the bubble. There's been a fair bit spoken about Richmond uh, in places like this and, and other <laughs> media outlets around the place this footy season uh, with some of the you know non-footy-related stuff that's been taking place. How, what's that done to the group? Has that been referenced much amongst you guys? And has it... You know, we, spec, we, we speculate on the capacity for it to kind of galvanise a group you know, the kind of the, the dents and the smudges and the knocks along the way. Have you got a sense for, for how you guys, a bunch of players, have responded to, to some of that stuff? Yeah, look, there's no doubt it hurts because, you know, the, the reflection of the group, it's, it, what's being said in in some ways is not a true reflection and, you know, we understand we've got to take responsibility for, for what's happened. And, you know, when you apply empathy and compassion, you can see size from, you know, why people have their opinions. But... It's also not to, um, you know, doubt what we're doing and, and doubt what we're about. You know, we, uh, you know, we've had, we've built this, this culture and this uh, love and connection for each other. And, uh, you know, when times are tough, we, we stick tough. And you know, I think we've seen the performance last night was, you know, a team that's really confident in, in where we're going and what we want to achieve. Kane, what are you hearing? Uh, never a good time to get injured, but um, obviously disastrous last night for Ivan Soldo and to a lesser extent Tommy Lynch. What are you hearing on those two guys today? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think we're not looking great for Soldo. I think he's going in for scans today. You know, fingers crossed, it's not as as serious we uh, as we might suspect. Um, and then I think Tom's probably going to go for a scan as well. We're not sure how uh, how bad it is, but hopefully it's only you know a couple of weeks for Tom. But you know we'll look out for Soldo. He's been a crucial part of our footy club, um, especially this year. He's starting to play some really good really footy. So uh, you know we'll, we'll give him all the love we can. Are you watching the scrimmage? Is that what's going on, Kane? Oh, might be just wobbling. Oh, I'm just moving a little bit. Hey, here, you're right. Are you watching the scrimmage at the moment? Is that what we can hear? Oh, 
no. No, nah, we might be, be done there. Hey, Kane, appreciate your time. Good on you. Kane Lambert from the Tigers there from uh, from last night. I'm interested in that. Like they, Hodgie, you're probably the best one to talk about this, but you know, they have built this remarkable reputation. They, they, they led this kind of vulnerability and open up and be yourself and accept everyone. And, you know, there's been a few, you know, speed bumps along the way in 2020, but... You hear somebody like Kane Lambert talk about how important that is and what it means to them that they, they want to protect the the reputation um, of what they've what they've been so good at building. Yeah, you're right because they, they went through a stage uh, where their their culture and that really stood out, and no doubt they've had a few uh, indiscretions this year that's really hit them up. And and you can hear we've spoken a couple times this year on on how Peggy and Brendan Gale uh, tears apart about how their culture started to drop or what the people think of the fr- Richmond Football Club from the outside. But it also does come with the players as well because they're they're pretty proud of the football club. They're proud of what they've achieved, uh, and just through a few indiscretions, it's been four or five year build up to get top of their game. Their culture was re- looking really good. Everyone was praising Richmond two years ago. It's dropped away. And I think Dimmer said uh, last night, he goes, um, your culture, in, and that it's, it takes so long to build up mm. that it can be taken away really quickly. Um, so that, that's something that they're working with. And, and obviously, listening to him, he's a, he's a pretty proud player and, and pretty, I guess, proud of what they've been able to achieve the last few years. We'll come through Geelong shortly, Luke, but let's talk the spectacle first. So this is the second week in a row that the two most anticipated games towards the end of the home and away season were the Brisbane Lions and Collingwood and then Richmond and Geelong. Both have had 11 goals. Last night, the highest-scoring team in the comp had one goal five to three-quarter time. So you are entirely enthralled last week. Were you Were you a tad disappointed last night? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was enthralled for the Richmond defensive side of the game. Uh, my my mindset at the start of the year was the spectacle wasn't the ma- the big priority. The, the the whole thing with the AFL this year, they had to get the season played. They had to get it competed for all reasons for the AFL losing money and, and for ticking that box of getting the season done and dusted and starting fresh next year or, or as close to uh, what they could. But... The last couple of weeks, I've sort of taken a bit of a notice with defensive side of things. And even when Jack Rewalt told me last night, he goes, we're a defend first kind of team. You can really see that. Um, Watching Brisbane and Collingwood last week, how hard they run defensively. And I was shocked when I didn't notice as much when I was playing that how hard players are running defensively just to get to a spot in case the ball gets through and they don't get scored. Um, I feel that, and a lot of people are going to shake their head and say, don't change the game, but I feel for a spectacle for the finals, which is the most important thing, and that's when, we get, that's when we're going to get the most viewers, is we need to, to tweak something. And I reckon pushing the quarters back to proper time, so then the players are more fatigued, they're not working back as hard, and you're going to find more, ga- more gaps. Um, you're looking at the rotations. We kept the rotations at 90 while we cut the games by 10 minutes a quarter and no team's getting close to the rotations if you look at the top four teams and plus Collingwood who's the best defensive team they're all averaging low 70s mid to low 70s in rotations and they're defending that well because that's their priority um for for the spectacle for the last four weeks especially when we're coming off a a break uh you get seven days it's going to be all six seven and some for some teams eight day breaks um, for the last month of the year, I think we have to tweak that because uh, I, I feel that it, the most important time of the year, your whole mindset is shutting the opposition down, running even more importantly to, to shut them down defensively because you, 
there's so much on the line. I just think we need to tweak it and put it back to a normal normal length. And I know people are going to say, leave it the way it is. They've done it all year. But at this time of year, we've got more space. The reason why they did it was for the condensed season. We're going through that now. For the next five weeks, it's back to normal. So you're so concerned about the spectacle of the final series that you do think the immediate action is required? Oh, oh, yes, the the last two, and I'm more looking at the teams that are up the top and Collingwood are the, the four best defensive teams. And that's going to be the priority for the next five weeks to shut the opposition down and go in there. And the whole focus is, as we just heard, Richmond have won two of the last three premierships is we're a defend first team. That's what the others are focusing on as well. Um, for us to come in and have one goal five at half time in a grand final, it's going to be pretty dismal. And don't get me wrong, I understand why the, the AFL cut them down because we ha- we're going to have condensed season. They knew that. But from now on, after round 18, it's going to be the same. It's going to be a week off to freshen up and then six, seven-day breaks. Put it back to how it was um, to really see the game open up and goals scored as we've, that's what we've wanted to see in finals for since I was a kid. So if you were in this final series, if you were the captain of one of the teams, if you were an older player, would, do you think you would hold the same view that you want the real thing at the end or do you think the risk associated with it would be high? No, I think the priorities are different when you're a player. And I was a big one for, for keep it how it is because you've played this way, you know your best your best chance of, of winning a premiership will be doing what you're doing at the moment and defending and, and keeping things very similar. You don't want too much change. But the whole reason behind it is to make the, the game a better spectacle. And we're going to have a different... We've got a different venue. We've got a night grand final. Uh, we want the best spectacle we can be. And I don't think it's going to interfere with the players too much considering what they've been through. We've had blokes play off four-day breaks. And it's not just one. It's two or three in a row. Then with a five-day break, um, you're looking at the big scheme of things. Put it back to how it was. And I think we're gonna, we'll are gonna we see a massive change. Teams, players will get more fatigued. We'll see a Geelong team who might be able to break through a Richmond defence in the last five minutes because defensively they're fatigued and we, we'll get more of a scoreboard pressure than what we did last night or what we've seen th- throughout the season. What, why would anyone object to that? Why would anyone in the game object to that? It would only be on the basis that it's the, the season has been played yeah. under different circumstances. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. But if you're not concerned about the spectacle at the moment, then you're not watching it as far as I'm concerned. Is there, there's, there are troubling signs everywhere, and some of it is a pattern and some of it's specific. We'll keep the conversation going on crunch time for CleanAway. Up your disposal efficiency with CleanAway next. Jared Waitley, Luke Hodge, Andy Ma, and Sam Edmonds with you this Saturday. Looking back on the events of last night, Richmond 26-point winners over Geelong. So we've spent a lot of time admiring Richmond and then... Questioning the spectacle, Luke Hodge, two-time Norm Smith medalist, so concerned now that he's advocating instant change for the final series and going back to the to the proper times of matches at 20-minute quarters to see if we can en- enhance things given the path that we seem to be on. Makes sense to me. I, well, I don't know why anyone would object to it. Well, the AFL don't. are objecting. They're on record multiple times saying this will not be happening. We're continuing with everything we've done post-round one and the season's uh, games will stay as they are. 
Maybe we get Clarko to whinge in a press conference and, <laughs> and they might change it. I like it. Uh, let's let's study the Cats a little and what happened last night and uh, what the implications are of it. Here was Chris Scott in the aftermath. We were just outplayed for most of the game. There were some signs there late, but when the game was really on the line, they, they were just much better than us. So they defended really well. Their pressure around the ball was, was great. We looked a little bit off, there's no doubt about that, but... It's always hard to assess, at least in the immediate aftermath, how much is you and, and how much is them. Oh, I suspect, I mean, they're the best team in the comp, have been for a while. So, um, you know, I suspect a fair bit of it was them. Um, and, you know, for large parts, it just looked like, um, you know, the way we were trying to play um, wasn't working. And, again, it's difficult sometimes to assess, um, at least for others. I think we're a bit clearer, but for others, you sort of look at and say, well, that's not working. Um, and how much of it is the way you're trying to play as opposed to the way you're executing. And I didn't, didn't think they allowed us to execute very well, but I think we um, played into their hands a little bit, but it wouldn't be the first time um, a team's done that over the last few years against them. You know, early on, they were, they were really sharp. They, look, um, they just look better than us. Um, now, the, the question is, are they better than us um, you know, in different circumstances? Um, you know, based on that performance, you'd say, well, yeah, they'd be raging favourites. Um, so the challenge is for us to um, adjust a few things, learn what we can out of the game, um, still be clear on you know, what's made us a pretty good time, team over this um, little period of time. Um, but clearly we need to get better. And, you know, it was a low-scoring game. Both teams missed shots, and, you know, the scoring shots are heavily in their favour, um, even though the inside 50s were pretty close. But, yeah, I... I'm not convinced that it will always be a low-scoring style of game. I think both sides are trying to score, go about it different ways, obviously, but they just executed the way they wanted to play much better than we did. Our personnel will probably change a little bit over the next um, next few weeks, if, if we're good enough to keep going for a few weeks. We won't be hanging our hat on that, saying, well, we'll just get a few players back and everything will be fine. The pattern for us has been that we haven't been quite good enough at the end of the year, and I, I, th you know, I think we're a better team now than we were, but they're probably better as well. You're not going to get any argument from me. They, they would think that, well, the last few times we've played you, we've been able to beat you, so I can't defend that. So that was Chris Scott, pretty matter-of-fact, in the aftermath. So to you, Luke, and you saw it live. Is Were Geelong too safe? Were they too one-dimensional? Um, yeah, it's sort of hard to say. As we've spoken about how Richmond were, were so good, and, and I know we've gone on the excuse of Geelong were a bit flat. They didn't move the ball that well. They weren't running as hard for one another away from the ball but I actually thought when Geelong changed their structure a little bit and gave them a different look when uh, Paddy Dangerfield went to, to full forward in the second quarter because in the first quarter they knew that they were going to go to Hawkins Long so it was a slow build up they would go to, long, to Hawkins Long they had Grimes they had lost and cut across and I think Grimes had two or three intercept marks in the first quarter uh, with uh, Bolter on, on Hawkins. You're probably thinking Hawkins is going to win that contest. In the second quarter, they changed it up. Danger played more up forward, and it just sort of changed the look. Hawkins went out to centre-half forward, and all of a sudden it took Grimes' mindset away from, away, from, uh, away from Hawkins, and they had a few more 
uh, contest. Richmond didn't um, turn the ball over as much. I did ha- I did see a tweet from my old teammate Xavier Ellis whinging about uh, the importance of danger playing forward. I think he put a tweet out saying uh, he went from best on ground in uh, in the midfield to getting one shit disposal uh, in that quarter <laughs> before moving uh, before moving back in the middle. So he wasn't happy with danger going forward because he only had one touch. And I, Xavier Ellis is very honest, but in 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 these kind of battles, sometimes sometimes you got to. Forgive one, uh, forego one of your strengths to limit the opposition strengths. And the, the question with what Geelong did is, who was more impact? Was it Danger who had eight or nine touches in the first quarter, or was it Grimes and what he does for the Richmond defence? And I felt it was Richmond's defenders, and, and Grimes was more important in that first quarter. The, when when uh, Danger went forward, it took Grimes to full back. He did not talk to any of his teammates. I was watching him. He was that focused on Danger, which means. Hawkins up the ground, had 1v1 battles. They end up getting uh, Nankervis to come across. But I just sort of thought that they changed a little bit there just to sort of give the Richmond defenders, they made them think a little bit and they just looked more smooth. They kept Richmond to one goal. Uh, Geelong kicked one goal one, but they just moved the ball a bit smoother in that quarter. So this is, I'm fascinated to hear those observations because what we've seen from Richmond in the last couple of years through this, you know, the period that they're building, you know, the premiership winning period that they're experiencing at the moment, they make opposition teams look poor. That, that's what they do. Whatever the mechanism, the setup, the way they play, the pressure they apply, the speed which, which, with which they close down the you know, opposition players when they've got ball in hand. All of that. They, all the stuff they do make opposition teams look bad. They've done it enough now to Geelong in this stretch. They, they, Geelong's had a win over them but Richmond's owned Geelong in the head-to-head here. So Hodgie, if, if the next time they meet, if there is to be a next time this year... If Geelong just front up and do and set up the same way, just set up the same way that they always set up and try and be their best version of themselves, the way they have been, you know, for for the rest of the season, but not against Richmond, can they afford to do that? Well, history says no, considering they've beaten them five of the for the last six times. And and watching Chris Scott, he he won't come up with the with the same thing. I reckon that there's enough evidence there to say that their game style, the way they're playing versus Richmond, Richmond's going to come out uh, on top. Uh, when they when they first started that, uh, I guess their little flurry towards the end with Radigalia and Hawkins, the three people in the Ford fifty was Danger Deep, Radigalia, and Hawkins. So they isolated. They had those three in the Ford 50 and the rest of the mids up. So once again, late, Scott decided to change something and Radiglia kicks two goals. Hawkins gets one, has another shot from the boundary. It just opened up a bit of space rather than having Hawkins deep. So I reckon Chris is smart enough to say, well, that's twice that they had danger deep. They looked better. Um, they, they still found a lot of the ball. The second quarter when Danger was playing full forward, even though he had eight touches, was probably one of the best in the first quarter. Geelong had 90 touches to Richmond 67 in the second quarter. So they don't need Danger in the middle to get a lot of the ball because they're a lot more, they're a more balanced team than what they've been in the past. It just seemed to me, it just looked a lot more dangerous and, and it made Richmond's defenders think, hang on, this is a different setup and we, wouldn't, we didn't plan as much for this going into it. We've spent a bit of time in this show talking about how Gary Rowan gives them something different. Huge. I mean, it's an easy assumption to make, but he was sorely missed. So he's kicked 10 goals in his last four games. He does command a defender and he can catch fire. And then in the ruck, Reece Stanley, the laid out as well. Radicalia and Blitzars just aren't going to cut it when the opposition are playing two 
two ruckmen, two starting ruckmen, two two obvious ruckmen in that case, and then Curvis and Soldo. So I know that we've spoken a bit about the Tigers and the players they've got out and to come back in, but those two were sorely oh, missed. And, and and you throw Ablett and Selwood in well, yeah, as well. I mean, and they're back next week. So they make they they will have a different from a personnel perspective the next time if there is a next time these two play. Geelong will have a different look. The twenty two will be a distinctly mm. different looking twenty two. Just the, the scoring pattern against Richmond. So they kicked 7-8 against them in the first half of the preliminary final and then 2-4 in the second half of that game and 1-5 in the first three quarters yeah. last night. So they have scored against them, but only once. But if, if, you look, if you look at that, though, as well, as how many inside 50s do you reckon either team would have if you haven't looked at the stats at the moment? Last night? Yeah. Yeah, they were in the 40s, weren't they? Yeah, 42 Richmond, 40 to Geelong. Mm. So there was there was no problems getting it down there. It was just and and Richmond uh, Geelong scored most of their uh, scores in the in the last quarter when they changed it up a little bit. So as far as getting it down there, there's no issue. But it's just changing up. And when you if you look down there and you've got Rowan Hawkins, Ablett and Dangerfield at times, do you reckon any of the Richmond defenders are going to say, hey, I'm going to leave Danger to go and help Hawkins, or I'm going to leave Ablett to go and help Hawkins? No, they're not. So. so, so <sighs> So you go, mate. No, no. So on that on that inside fifty thing and what happened in that you mentioned the first half of that last quarter, Hodge. A couple of the old cranks who lament the way footy's played these days, and we've talked about the spectacle last night. Tom Stewart says at three quarter time, we're going to have to take some risks, mm. and they and they look enlivened in that first ten minutes. Yep. They do what they do. What is that? What is that? Is that just them? Flicking the switch and playing a different brand of foot. The coach saying, Laura, shackles off, boys. Nothing to lose. That, is that what that is? Well, what is yeah, that? Their first three quarters, they have, Geelong have got that game style where you look at, if you scout Geelong, they kick out from full back and Stewart will see Dangerfield uh, in front of the Ruckman. They don't kick it to the Ruckman. They'll pull the kick towards the boundary. So Dangerfield, Dangerfield takes the mark. He'll either go back and try and find a little switch inside or go quickly to a Hawkins down the line where there's a Gary Rowan. What... The, Richmond were that good at holding him up because they can squeeze him into that pocket. They didn't try like a little short inside kick. They didn't try and run across to open up the half-back line. They tried to be safe. So when, when a coach or when a player says, we need to take risks, if there's a, a 50-50 ball in the middle where you think you can hit it, rather than hold back and just go long down the line, you try and hit that kick. You back yourself because what's the point of losing by 60 if you're going to lose by 30? You might as well have a red-hot crack and open up the game. So when a player says we need to take some risks, it's that risky kick inside to break the game open, but you do realise that if you do miss that kick, it's probably going to get scored against you. So that's the decision that the player has to make. Should be a rule that every team has to take 100 risks a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bring that in. Bring that in, if, Willie. If, Can we if, bring if that in? Got, if you've got something like a Dusty, then they're not as many risks because they're just a good kick. Well, the game's just, be- the game's just <laughs> yeah. better when they're taking... Oh, the game's yeah. better when I they're doing that. People can cop a low-scoring, absorbing clash if a team is willing to, as you say, take a risk and mm. have a crack at it. But when they go slow, down the line, conservative, I think that's when it can grate on people, Hodge. Th- this, this is where I go back to the defence-first mentality. Is If you if you'd go for that 50-50 kick and it, it scores against you... Yeah. You know the opposition isn't going to do that, so you're giving up a scoring opportunity which which you might not get back. So that's why they play safer. It's almost like a boxing fight earlier. Mm. You're trying to figure out, can I get through them? Can I do this? It's not till the last quarter where you think, my game style isn't working. Going long down the line or being a bit composed with the ball isn't working. We need to take some risks. Take, sorry, take some risks. And that's where it sort of opens up, either for you because the kicks get through or it opens up the other way and mm. the opposition turn the ball over and then they can score because you're not set up behind the ball. The analysis of what took place 
race last night. Richmond with a firm grip on premiership favouritism from here. We've got uh, plenty of questions to pepper Luke Hodge with in a moment, including Sean Burgoyne, oh, who's yes. been given another year at the Hawks. We'll analyse that in a little bit broader. Essendon are flying to Adelaide to take on Port Adelaide this afternoon. It's been combustible around the Bombers, so they're in the conversation. They'll have their gear packed in their Samsonite business bags. Work from anywhere with a Samsonite business bag. Crunch time for Beaumont Tiles. Exclusive bathroom packages from Beaumont's four grand the lot and Identifiber specialising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services. Jared Waitley, Luke Hodge, Andy Maas, Sam Edmund with the rapid fire questions for Rapid Tune. They'll keep you moving, rapidtune.com.au. Sam, what have Hawthorne announced with Sean Burgoyne? They've announced he's going to play on it next year, Jared. And not only have they done that, they've said that will be it. So they've announced an extension and retired him all in the one announcement. It's quite unique, but it'll be a 20th season for Sean Burgoyne. If all things go well, he'll get to the 400 mark, which is an unbelievable achievement. 37 years of age, Luke Hodge. Um, did you anticipate this might be happening? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm absolutely wrapped for Shawnee Burgoyne because uh, I think he's about 13, 14 or 15 games from, from 400. 13, yeah. Thir- 13 games. So, look, for him to uh, to get through to 400 after especially the doubt with his knees early, uh, absolutely wrapped for him. Uh, as far as for, for Hawthorne and where they're going and where they're aiming, I'm confused as ever. Uh, I thought the writing was on the win- on the writing was on the wall a few weeks ago when they're not getting rid of their first draft pick. Uh, they started playing a lot of younger guys, getting them ready. I, I thought they knew where they were positioned. Um, and then they, they went and signed Shawnee. So for so- Shawnee personally, I reckon that's great. For Hawthorne, Clark has always been who's going to be in our next premiership window or who's in our next premiership team. Uh, I don't know if... Clarko loves Shawnee that much that he's overpowered Graham Wright or Graham Wright is confused where they're going at the moment. Um, I don't know. It was, it's interesting now what they're going to do with a Frawley or a Piopolo or the other guys who are in the 30s and, and are playing some OK footy as well. Um, yeah, so it's it's a good one for Shawnee, but I'm just a little bit confused of where Hawthorne are, are heading now with, with their list. And it wasn't, it's very specifically wasn't what was afforded to Sam Mitchell, to Jordan Lewis or to Luke Hodge, is it? Uh, oh, no, Clarko always gave the option to players if they were going to go somewhere else and look. So he, he went to Shawnee. He went, uh, sorry, he went to, to Mitch and went to, went to Louis and sort of said, you can stay here, but if you want to have a look further to, to prolong your career, go for your life. Uh, I I'd, I'd said to him, I'll retire and uh, came out of retirement. <laughs> um, so uh, but the, 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 the situations are different. Um, I think he. I reckon he's he he appreciated what Sean has done so much for the football club that he wants to get him to 400, um, which I can understand that. But at the end of the day, Clarko's always said is that the club is bigger than than the individual, bigger than us. We're only uh, what is it? What's what's he saying? Um, temporary custodians. Uh, temp, temp, temporary custodians mm-hmm. of the football club, and and when we leave, we've got to leave it in a better position. Um, I think the heart is overpowered, the, the decision here. But as far as I can't wait to see Shawnee run through and play his 400th next year. The Giants have dropped Stephen Canelio, their new captain. What, what do you think of that move? Uh, yeah, I, I guess there's been a lot of a lot of talk about GWS and their, and their system, their leadership ever since Delidio come out and spoke about it. But I always thought a new captain coming in, um, there's always some teething options. There's obviously a lot of things behind the scenes that he's, he's been trying to work on that he hasn't been. But it's always, it's always a harsh decision uh, when it's a captain 
especially in his first year, that, that sort of gets that, that gets dropped. So uh, feeling for for him, but there's no doubt with his attitude and, and how he goes about it that mm. he'll um, he'll bounce back and, and be better for it. They gave him the choice, Jared. Do you want to be listed as managed or rested? And he stood up and said, "No, I'm going to own it. I'm, let's have it omitted." But First year, first standalone captain in the club's history, coming off the knee injury in the middle of a pandemic. He has spoken a little bit about the motivational factor as well with the season, speaking of the collective of the team as well. But in the end, they made eight changes, only three of them forced. So he wasn't on his own. No, but the captain is on his own. Of course. And at first time, you've got to go back. It undermines him. 20 years or something, don't you? And and I've spoken to GWS and they say, look, there's no smoking gun. There's no injury. There's nothing sinister. It's just they say we've got to have integrity with our selection. Is he at the top of their problems? I, I just think there's no way no, he's no, at the top no, of their problems. No, this is a this is a deep art. There's something deeper there that you, you you I think you need to probably be a pretty acute psychologist to understand what's going on. I mean, they could be, but they could be a bit busted. GWS. They could, last year might have might have been the end. It might be the end of this of this. You know, the the, the group that that we're seeing with this coach. Last year's grand final might have been the end. Who, who, time will tell. Well, they just re-signed the coach, uh, and uh, their they, captain signed a seven-year yep. deal worth about seven million yep. across the course. And, and, and I might be wrong. We might anyone who believes that might be wrong. They might come out and win it next year, and prove so it's going to be it's going to be an awkward few years if they don't get along after this. If Canelio signed a seven-year deal and Leon just extended. Mm. Hey, Hodgie, can I ask you as a contemporary, um, how how will the cohort who played against Bryce Gibbs remember him as a player? Uh, he was always a, a, a damaging player when he had the ball. When he went to halfback, he was always someone who the coaches would, would speak about. Um, and then there's obviously patches in there where teams started to, to focus less on attack and, and more on defence. And I think that's where he, he found his spot at Adelaide where he struggled to, to, keep, he, to keep his position. But I remember the, the amount of times we played against Carlton and having to worry about Bryce Gibson Bryce Gibbs and, and limiting his effect on the game just because he was he was so smart. He knew how to get the ball and he could use it. Just getting back to the Hawks, Hodgie, a lot of intrigue over those names and some of them you mentioned. Uh, ben Stratton's out of contract. Isaac Smith, Paul Piopolo, James Frawley and Ricky Henderson. Just with Ben Stratton, would, he, would you expect him to stay on as as captain next year? Uh, I, my, uh, my thought would be that Sicily was going to be the next captain. They would have tried to hold on for, for mm. Strato to be his captain as long as they could before Sicily. He's out. Jager's probably the next one um, who stands out. I think who's, he's vice-captain at the moment, isn't he? So, uh, look, I reckon they'll be trying to hold on for, for Strats, considering he, he doesn't phase him. The, the, the bubble and the, the hub and staying around football the whole time doesn't suit Strato. I reckon he'll be better next year when he's back to his normal living and, and get can get away from football rather than thinking about it the whole time in the hub. So I, I reckon they'll try and keep him there for another one, but if not, it'll be a, a Jager and then give time for Sicily to mature a little bit for, for he'll be the, the long-term captain in, in my eyes. The Eagles fight back on Thursday night. How heroic was that? Well, it meant a lot to them. Uh, for, for a while there, you're sort of sitting there going, St Kilda have got this, but I think it just shows that good teams find a way to win and, and West Coast have had a lot of people pot them this year and I know I've, I've got doubts on them just with their, the way they play over here but when they needed to win that game they, they stood up, McGovern went down uh, it, was a, it was a crucial game for them to either get that home final they really trying for or even to sneak into the, to the top four. If McGovern is the Harris Andrews five to six week hamstring, how, how crippling is that do you think for West Coast? Uh, oh, massive uh, he's, he's someone who he, he can be a, 
person who can control it in the air. And I know we spoke before about how coaches talked about Gibbs when he was in his in his prime. Coaches go into a West Coast game saying, don't kick it in the air to your forwards when McGovern's around so he can drop off. If it's a 1v1, no problems. But if he's floating around, you don't kick it up for him to run and jump at it. So if coaches are going to go in and players moving forward don't have someone like McGovern up there intercept marking, it's it's a huge factor for the opposition teams that, that are playing West Coast. You got, didn't we get to see the, benefit, the value of... Tim Kelly. That was the most Tim Kelly. Oh. That was the most Tim Kelly game that we'd seen. Slayed I reckon them. since he got to the West Coast Eagles. Yeah. Just he was everything that they yeah. needed. And yep. on Thursday night, we got the most powerful example of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What well, it amounts to. He won in that game. So Shuey's uh, their injury list is as big as any going around at the moment. Shuey, Yo, Cripps has got the the personal reasons. He's out of the side now. McGovern as well. So their entire 2018 mid grand final day premiership winning midfield. Dom Sheed wasn't there the other mm-hmm. night. They're all gone. Hodgie, great to have you on Crunch Time. We'll see how much influence you've got as to how all of this spreads. <laughs> Good luck, Luke. Ab- absolutely none. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'll keep you moving with their huge range of services. Book online at rapidtune.com.au. The rapid fire questions with Luke Hodge there at the end. Crunch time for Beaumont Tiles and. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free, and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. For identifier.